0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read quite a few verses and we're going to read uh, one verse from a story and then we're just going going to see what God does. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 says this. It says, now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people... Culture say that the Son of Man is. Who do they say that I am? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or or one of the prophets. They know you're special. They know you're different. They know you're unique. So he said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, now you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, earth shall be loosed in heaven. Your yes on earth will change heaven's yes. Your no on earth will align with heaven's no. You've got more power in your words than you ever thought you did. One more, one more verse I want to read. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 48 says this. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. I love that verse. It's powerful. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. We give this time to you. Lord Jesus, come and speak to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, everyone said. Amen. Jesus is, is he's in the region of Caesarea Philippi. And like John Gray said earlier, all around him are temples and artifacts and structures where people would gather from all over the region to come, and they would uh, engage in whatever form of worship they believed in. In that place, there was a, a, a demon god called Pan, and it was, it was this occultic ritual. They would bring him out into the temple of Pan, and when they played the flute, it was this goat that would begin to dance, and they would try and figure out the future. And all people from all over the region would come to hear their future, danced out before them by this this occultic ceremony. The the commentator tells that there were no less than 14 different temples of all different gods and religions, Egyptian, Greek, Roman, that all gathered in this place. And they were all scattered about underneath this giant rock. And literally carved into this rock was a huge gate. And it was known as the gate of hell itself. It was known from that place, they, they believe, that's where death held its power. And so Jesus brings his disciples into this place, surrounded by rituals and beliefs and culture. It was such an important place that King Herod decided, uh, uh, Philip, his brother, decided to put his seat of government there. It was the connection of all different types of culture. And Jesus walks his disciples there, and he looks around, seeing all of the culture's beliefs and opinions and, and, and different actions, and asks his disciples, what do they say about me? We know what they say about the demon gods. We know what they say about the Roman gods. We know what the government has to say. But what is culture's opinion of who I am? What do people have to say about me? And the di- disciples respond. They say, well, you know, some believe that you are John the Baptist reincarnated. And some believe that you're Elijah or Jeremiah. But you see, Elijah was a miracle worker. And Jeremiah, he was a political prophet. And they said, we, some of them think that you're, you're just a miracle worker, and some think that you're going to overtake the Roman Empire. And, and, and there's all different swirling opinions, and you know, that's the same today. We live in a culture with a lot of opinions on Jesus. A lot of people don't have a problem with Jesus for kind of who he is. They just don't believe that he is who he says he is, which is God Almighty, I am that I am a culture is fine with Jesus and they're fine with church and they're fine with all that and even if you ask them what's your opinion of Jesus they would say I think he's a good teacher he's a moralist he's got good opinions He said good things and culture especially in LA there's all different spiritual ceremonies and different beliefs and everyone's cool with that but Jesus asked the most important question out of that okay now that we know what culture has to say what do you have to say What do you have to say? This is the most important question that you will ever be asked. And make no mistake, Jesus is not just asking his disciples. He's asking all disciples. Who do you say that I am? Because see, in a generation that has a lot of opinions on how to reach God and how to become a better self and how to ascend and transcend, a lot of people are okay with all sorts of things. But Jesus says, but what about me? Because he stands in stark contrast from the opinions of man in different culture. He stands and says, I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just a good guy. I don't just have good opinions. I am God himself. I am that I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And make no mistake, Jesus is asking you today, who do you say that Jesus is? It's not good enough what your parents said or what your pastors say or what your friends say. Who do you say that Jesus is? See, this question is far more important than even the the question of who you're going to marry or what kind of career you're going to have. It's from this question that all of eternity splits off in one direction or the other. What do you believe about Jesus? And in a place where culture is so prevalent and so loud and social media, man, more people have more opinions and they're instantaneous than ever before in human history. There's so much noise. I hear Jesus' words cutting through the noise saying, but what about you? I know what they say, but what about you? I know what culture preaches, but who do you say that I am? And you're going to have to answer this question for yourself. You're going to have to confront this truth that Jesus says, I am God, and beside me there is no other. So who do you say that I am? It matters what you say. It matters what you speak because your words create worlds. And Jesus is saying you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to speak. And I believe the church exists to stand up, to speak, and to show Jesus to the world. I believe you exist to stand up, to say something. The time of being quiet, withdrawn, mediocre, normal is over for the church. Have you noticed? We are in a spiritual battle. It has gotten real. You can't just say what's good for you is good for you. Now you've gotta say I know what I know. I'm called to what I'm called to. I believe what I believe and hell can't shake me. You can't stop me. I know in LA everyone's so friendly out here and so kind, but I'm from Boston. Everybody's mean there. Every once in a while you have to stand up and say, I don't care what you have to say. I've got to die on this hill. I've got to make my stand on this hill. And nothing is more worthy of your life than the God-man Jesus Christ. Who do you say that he is? Who do you, what do you believe about him? Because you're going to have to stand and you're going to have to speak it. And make no mistake, there are a lot of other voices that you are going to encounter in your journey. And it's important what you say because a lot of other people are talking. Now think about David. He's, all he's trying to do is bring cheese and crackers to his brothers. That's a very simple job. But all of a sudden the Bible says Goliath stands and he shouts his usual defiance. The Bible says, and David heard it. Forty days and nights, he's shouting his usual defiance. And there's a whole nation that they gather and they shout. And then the Philistines gather and they shout. And Goliath begins to curse the God of the Israelites. But all they did was shout. Nobody made an actual move. But after 40, Davids, David, after 40 days, David shows up. And he hears the usual defiance. And I don't know if you can tell, but the story ended right there. And David heard it. When I read that, it's like, and Goliath died. It's going to take a little while for the timeline to catch up. But David made a decision in his heart. No way. I know who he is. I know what he's done. I know how he's called me. You don't get to just say whatever you want without an opposing opinion. You don't get to just prophesy whatever you want without the people of God saying, no, there is another way. There is a greater way. There is a greater king. There is a bigger God. Come on, will you just give praise right now to the one who deserves all glory? David heard it. I'm telling you, I pray that God awakens a fight in you. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that's inspired by just, like, 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 just positivity. I need something to go wrong. And then all of a sudden I say, no way. There's no way I'm going to allow that to happen. We see David. This kid was a fighter. When he shows up, he says, now I've got something to say. And he begins to ask around, who is this guy? Because I'm going I'm to take him out. And the very first voice he encountered was the voice of his older brother, Eliab. And his older brother said, David, what are you even doing here? Why aren't you with those few small sheep out in the wilderness? Man, I know the intentions of your heart. They're evil. I know your motivations. You're selfish. You just came here to watch the fight. I love David. Because he could have just said, what fight? Bro. You've just been shouting for 40 days. No one's fighting. What fight? Let me tell you something. God will use the accusations of the enemy... Against, against themselves. Because see, cause see Eliab, Eliab accused him of just watching the fight. But the end of the story is that Eliab was the one watching the fight. And David was the one with the sling and the stone. I want you to know it doesn't matter what they say now. Let God be your vindicator. Let God represent you. Let God go before you. Because even what they accused you with, God's going to turn around for your benefit. Interesting, the first voice he, he hears is the voice of opposition is the voice of familiarity. He says, "I know who you are. You're a shepherd boy." Why don't you go with those few small sheep where you came from? Because see, nobody's got a problem with you when you're doing small things. But when the conference begins to sell out this place, that's when the negative press starts. See, when you begin to actually live out your life for Christ, that's when it gets difficult. It's like my life wasn't that difficult until I got saved. Now it's more difficult. Yeah, because there was no opposition because you weren't a threat. But now when you begin to stand up and say, I'm gonna do something with my life for Jesus, that's when hell begins to shake. And the first voice that he hears is a voice saying, sit down, shut up, go back to who you used to be. And it's interesting that it's his older brother, someone that should be on his side, but can't see his calling, can only see his past. He can't see his future, he can only see what he's already seen from David. I know you, you're just a little shepherd. I know you, you're a nobody, go back to that. He says this, I know your heart, it's evil. And you know, sometimes there's great people in your life that can't speak to where you're going. They can only speak to where you've been. But I thank God that every once in a while, God brings a prophet, a pastor. He'll bring leaders. He'll bring right voices into your life. Maybe moments at conferences where God will open your eyes and show you a vision. It's like when Samuel came and he passed over Eliab, who had the look but didn't have the heart. And he went all the way down to at David and he poured the oil on David's head. So all these days later when Eliab was saying, I know your heart, David said, well, I still got the oil on my hair. You don't get to say what my future is. You don't get to say where I'm headed. And I love that God almost preempts this whole thing. He says to the, the, uh, the prophet Samuel, he says, go anoint this young man David because he's a man after my own heart. It's almost like God knew the lie was coming. So he preempts it and says, I just want to tell the world. David, his heart's not evil. His motivations aren't impure. He's my guy. Yeah, he, he screwed up, but he's my guy. Yeah, I know he's not going to be perfect, but he's my guy. I want you to know that's how the Holy Spirit speaks over you. He loves you. He's for you. He believes in you. He encourages you. He doesn't look at your past to determine your future. He's saying, you're my guy. You're my girl. I'm with you. Sometimes I think the Holy Spirit sounds like Chad Beach. I got to be honest. When I hear those voices of negativity in my life saying, you can't possibly pull this off. You can't possibly do that in that region. You can only be who you've been. I always think, would Chad say that? And if it doesn't align with Chad, I dismiss it as the enemy. <laughs> like the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. He says, Go back to who you were. But see, God set all this up to bring David to who he's going to be. So David says to Eliab, Is there not a cause? And let me tell you something there is a cause there is a cause that's worthy of your life. And it's more than your career, and it's more than your finances, it's even more than your marriage, it's the cause of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest cause that humanity has ever seen. When Jesus came and he died, he gave his life so that your life could have a purpose, could have a reason, it is a cause. It's worthy of you. And word begins to get around, and- And King Saul says, well, someone's willing to fight this guy. Bring him to my office. And David walks in and he says, look, I'm looking at you. You're you're short. You're small. You're young. You can't fight this Goliath. And after the voice of familiarity, he reaches the voice of faithlessness and fearfulness. He says, you couldn't possibly defeat this dude. You're just a kid. You're young. And this guy, he's been fighting since he was a kid. He begins to give him the history and the stats and the data on his calling and on his dream. And David has to say, but you don't know the full story. Just because you haven't seen me take out something doesn't mean I I haven't before. But see, God had developed David in that secret place. Where where he's a shepherd with those few small sheep, there were lions and there were bears there. And so when the voice of faithlessness comes in, David has to remind himself we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. He had to say, this isn't the first big dude I've taken out. I've taken out a lion, I've taken out a bear, and this guy, he's not even a bear. This is going to be easier than it was. He had to remind himself of what God did before. Because even if people have never seen it before, it doesn't mean God's not calling you to do it. You know, I think it's interesting that he tried to put his armor on David. He tried to, the one that wouldn't go after the giant tried to tell the one that would how to do it. Oh, seeing that you're gonna do it? All right, do it this way. But see, they didn't call you. So sometimes they can't direct you. You need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and you need the voice of leadership. But if other people can't see it, you say, look, I love you, I'm for you, but I gotta do this thing my way. I know, no, I know nobody's seen it done this way, but God's calling us to do a new thing in a new way because we serve a creative God. And I believe this church is not going to look like other churches. But Zoe Church is in a unique region and there are unique giants and we're going to do it in a unique way. It might not look like churches down the street, but that doesn't mean that God hasn't called you, anointed you, and prepared you. You got a sling, you got a stone. This giant's going down. Everything you've been through has just been preparation for what God has for you to do. Everything God's brought this church through is just preparation for what God's going to do through this church. Make no mistake, we're not here to just have good church services. We're here to take down giants in the land. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers in high places, and news alert, they are coming down. The name of Jesus is greater than any other name, and we are the ones that will lift up his name in this region. Nothing can stand against it or against you. What do you have to say? Sometimes you have to remind yourself how faithful he's been when you're facing an obstacle that seems insurmountable. You know, a couple of weeks ago, seven weeks ago, my, I, I got a message at 5 a.m., I was in Israel, other side of the world, and I got a message from my wife that my father had, was in a mo- motorcycle accident and going 30 miles an hour in the woods, right off his bike, went headfirst into a rock and he broke his neck. And at that time, I didn't know if he was alive or if he was even moving. It was a really dire situation. And, and I'm on the other side of the world. So I, I told my taxi driver, like, we got to go. I got to get the first flight out of here. But we stopped at the Western Wall first to pray. Just in case, you know. And, um, and through all that, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I didn't know what God was going to do. But my wife reminded me that all these years before, at our conference, John Gray stood on the stage. And he prophesied over my dad. He said, Steve Boyce, you're going to have a long life. And you're going to live to see your grandchildren. And when she reminded me that, I remembered, and that's the word from the prophet. So I'm going to agree with that word. So I texted John Gray. I said, you said this, John. I didn't say this. I didn't ask for you to prophesy this. This was of you. So if my dad doesn't make it, it's on you. (laughs) Just kind of get him going, you know. I said, John, you got to pray with us that your word remains true. And I literally got the message out as the plane was flying. 14 hours, I didn't know, but John was praying, your pastors were praying, people all over the world began to pray. When I landed, I didn't know if I was gonna land to a message that my dad hadn't survived through, through the, the night. But, but what happened was, it's a, so a miracle. The doctor said that the, the, the fracture that he had, he would at best be a paraplegic. At worst, it was gonna be death. But not only is he alive, He's 100% healed, 100%. Every single prayer, every prayer that we prayed shifted the atmosphere. I'm telling you, miracles still happen. They happen in our midst. They happen because the church begins to stand and begins to say, something has to change. He went in with a broken neck on Friday and walked out of the hospital on his own accord on Monday. Come on, we serve a good God. We serve a good God. So sometimes if you don't have the right people around you and you're in a good church and you are gonna have the right people, but sometimes even if you hear the voice of the enemy say you can't, you can't, you won't, you're not enough, you need to remind him of how big his God is. See, he was looking at David saying you're small and he's big, but David's saying you're looking at the wrong guy. It's not David versus Goliath, it's God versus Goliath. And God's a lot bigger. David says, I'm just going to take this sling and this stone, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to go after this giant myself. When he comes close, the giant, which represents the enemy, sin, says, come here, and I'm going to kill you. And you know, I think that's the voice of sin. I think that's the voice of the enemy that we hear a whole lot. He says, come closer. It's all right if you go to church, but I'm going to kill you. It's all right if you serve, but I'm going to expose you. It's all right how you start, but you know what you were addicted once, and I'm going to get you addicted again. You were stuck in that lifestyle once, and you know it's only a matter of time until I'm going to get you stuck in that lifestyle again. And you could be in the middle of worship, remembering what you came from, and nervous that, man, I think I might end up there again. I remember we hired a a dude for our church. He's such a good guy, faithful. But the first day of his job, like literally we hired him. He went home, came the next day. He was weeping, and he said, man, I couldn't sleep a minute last night. I was tormented with dreams. Every wrong thing I've ever done was flashing through my mind. I said, "Man, welcome to the battle. You're in the church now. The enemy wants to stop you, slow you, say, "I'll kill you. You're over. You're down." But you got to know giants were made to fall. I'm not afraid of you. It's not me versus you, it's God versus you. God has never once failed. He's coming to do something mighty in this region and in this church. I don't I don't I don't mean to say it this way, but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the enemy even says he's just a liar now, i do mean to say it that way that's exactly what i mean to say he's the father of lies you notice something about goliath he didn't do a thing he's so big and strong they talk about his armor and his and his shield bearer and, and his sword and he's got a spear and javelin and helmet and he's got all this weight and and all this stuff and he didn't move an inch all he did was talk the whole time The Bible says Satan is the father of lies. Listen, the only power the enemy has over you is the power that you give him if you buy into his lies. That's it. That's it. He has already been defeated in the name of Jesus. Jesus says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, it's continuing. He said, it is finished. you got to know that the stone smashed and the giant fell and sin no longer has authority in your life come here and I'll kill you. He doesn't get to kill you, cause Jesus already exchanged life for you. Sin and its power is broken over the church. It's broken over your life in the name of Jesus. You can say what you want, but you don't have the strength. He's just a giant propped up scarecrow, and that's it. And the minute you begin to stand, And the minute you begin to speak something else than what people are saying, or what your brothers are saying, or what your mind is saying, the minute you begin to speak something else, you expose the enemy for the weakling he is. You expose the enemy for the lack of authority that it has. Yeah, we are in a battle, but Jesus already told us the end. So we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. The church is unstoppable because Jesus is unstoppable. You are more than a conqueror because he's made you more than a conqueror. You are the head and not the tail. God is for you. Who? Who can be against you? doesn't matter if you have demons against you. They are not as strong as the angels surrounding you. God's called you. He's anointed you. He's appointed you. And in the quiet place, he's prepared you for the moments in your life. You're not called to be afraid, and you're not called to run scared. You're called to hear something and have a cause rise up on the inside of you. And it might look different than all the people all around you because, because how you approach this thing is different than how they're called. But make no mistake, we are all called to give our life to the cause of Jesus Christ. And when we stand up, we do not stand up alone. David says, you come to me with, with swords and with spears, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. He says, the army of God, the, 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 uh, the commander of God's armies, by the way, whom you defied. He's just letting him know, you're not fighting me, you're fighting him. And all those words that you said, you got to an answer to him for. This has already been predetermined. And I love David. He just starts, like, getting hyped. He just goes on. Like, all Goliath says, like, I'm going to kill you. And David's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he has, like, crazy eyes. He's like, I'm going to cut your head off and, like, all your friends. I'm going to give you to the birds and the beasts of the field. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back it down. You can see like he's a teenager, you know. Like, what? <laughs> and he starts, he starts declaring something greater. Because he's saying, I'm not going to get the glory. God's going to get the glory. And if you determine to give God the glory with your life, you won't believe what he will decide to do through you. If God's going to get the glory through this church, then God can trust this church to raise it up as an influencer in the region and, yes, the nation. Because you have a national anointing on this church. Just got to say it. The whole nation tunes in because, yes, this is the center of culture. And, yes, this is the center of voices. But I believe the church can influence that culture. This church can influence that culture. You have no idea what you're going to change through who you are. So, the, so David stands up and begins to speak, and that's what it takes. You have to stand and say something. It's almost like it's not enough to just believe. It's not enough to just have the sling and the stone. You have to stand and you have to declare. And God's waiting to say, what do you have to say? We know what everyone else has to say, the news and history and culture, but what does the church have to say? It's time to stand and declare something else. And He begins to declare the truth. Eliab lied. Saul lied. Goliath lied. But David begins to speak the truth. And all of a sudden the circumstances began to change when one man stood up and spoke truth. A couple of weeks ago we were in Washington, D.C. and we were kind of late for our flight but I really felt like from God, like I gotta to go to the Lincoln Memorial. I don't know why, I can't understand it. I just felt like I gotta go there. When we were there we saw truly one of the greatest presidents and read his words, the great emancipator, amazing. And I was moved, you know, and, I started getting like all choked up. And I'm like, man, what's happening to me, you know? Like, I'm turning into my mom. Like my mom's like one of those prayer warriors that like prays over the flag, you know? Like one of those old school 90s intercessors, you know? <laughs> I don't even know what that word is. Like what? She's like, and, and I'm there and I'm, I'm beginning to weep over our country, you know? And I walked down the stairs and and there are all these people there gathered for a parade and and smiles and cheers. And I'm like full on. And I I was looking down and there was a spot where it said at this spot, I didn't even know it was there, etched into the stone, it said in this spot Martin Luther King Jr. declared his I Have a Dream speech. When I looked back, I saw the statue of the great emancipator and I looked forward and you see the Washington Memorial, a straight line, over the Capitol building, which is the governmental power for the whole world. I never knew, like, that's where he spoke this speech. He stood up. He spoke up. And it was one man's dream that awakened a nation. It changed everything. When he began to speak, it didn't matter what the structures or societal powers were saying. That dream began to shoot into the atmosphere. And it began to change governments. It began to change people. It began to change society. It began to change hearts. It's like when he spoke, it got etched into stone because one man was brave enough. And I thank God he sent that man as a prophet to our nation. And like many prophets, he was killed for being a prophet. But I'm so grateful that he sent him. And, and, and I just think, what would happen if the church begins to set, stand up and say, I'm done with everyone else having their say. It's time for us to begin to speak the truth. And I wonder if it's up to the church to begin to kill the giant of racism in the land. I wonder if the church can begin to stand and say, no, we are the same. We are brothers and sisters. We are one under the blood of Jesus Christ. We are kingdoms of heaven, under the kingdom of heaven, what would happen? Like, no one else can solve this problem, but it's almost like it's a divine opportunity. We're saying to the church, will you stand and will you speak something different? Because a dream of a church can awaken a nation and truth can begin to cut through lies in the atmosphere. And so Peter stood in front of Jesus and Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter says, I'll say it, I know who you are. You're not just a healer, and you're not just a political figure. You're not just someone that we know like John the Baptist. You're greater. You are the son of the living God. You are God himself. You're Messiah. It's almost like the truth came out of him. You ever say the truth too fast? You don't mean to. It just comes out. What Peter said, I know who you are. You're God. Peter said, that's right. Jesus said, that's right. He said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. This is a heavenly truth. The heavenly truth is that Jesus is the Savior of humanity. Jesus is the one that changes everything. Jesus is the one that cuts out the lie of the enemy. Jesus is the rock that is slung from the sling and goes and crushes the head of the enemy. And so so he says, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. And he says, this is a heaven truth. And then guess what he does? He changes his name. says you're no longer Simon you're now Peter see Simon meant listen but Peter means rock because before he used to listen but he believed and then he spoke and when he spoke he got changed his identity got changed and he was no longer just a listener he was a rock and on this rock God says I'm gonna build my church and I'm gonna assail the gates of hell you gotta know who you are you're a builder But God's going to take you and he's going to fling you into situations and the gates of hell will fall before the church. Come on, what do you say in this place? What do you speak in this place? Every single time you begin to call Jesus your Lord and your Savior, that's when God comes and he changes your identity. He gives you a brand new life, a brand new name. When you begin to declare Jesus, you are Lord, that's when God says, now I can build my church, which by the way, the church was Jesus initiated and as Jesus built, it's all Jesus. And the gates of hell won't stop what I'm doing. Thousands of years later, all those temples are ruins. All those thi- government buildings, They're down to their foundations, and yet the church of Jesus Christ is thriving. It's stronger than ever before. It's being built up. Let me tell you, the church is unstoppable, because Jesus is unstoppable. you got to know who you are, because when you believe and when you speak, things change. And I'm going to end right here. Jesus goes on. He says, and now you got to understand this, Peter. You're now the rock. I'm going to build my church, and he says this, and he says, and. I'm gonna give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Your yes on earth will make a yes in heaven. Your no on earth will make a no in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying your words shift atmospheres. You gotta understand when you stand up and you speak truth, Jesus is revealed to the world, giants begin to fall, destinies are aligned, people are saved, the atmosphere gets awakened, you are not part of a small thing, you are a part of the movement of Jesus Christ, and it has not stopped from now into eternity. Come on, can you lift up a shout of praise to Jesus? Come on, let's... Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.